16 years ago, I would have never imagined this day. 16 years ago, I was a 14-year-old kid, and my dad had a dream to plant a church, and we started in the Holiday Inn 16 years ago, and here we are 16 years later, three campuses, and almost 1,000 people in attendance across all three campuses. Can we give God the glory for all that he's done in the past 16 years? Man, I sat back here in worship and just kind of watched and just soaking it all in just to see everybody from three different cities, all walks of life, um, from even myself being a youth pastor in Jennings, Louisiana. Many of you guys don't know it, but when we started Crowley, um, Madeline and Mackenzie, Madeline, who was leading worship tonight, was in my youth group. (laughs) That's awesome. I'm getting old. (laughs) Um, But hey, listen, welcome to First Wednesday. We're so glad that you're here. And today, honestly, tonight, really what we want to do is we just want to share stories of all that God has done, all that God is doing in all of our campuses. But before we go any further, I just need to give a huge shout out and a huge round of applause to all of our OSC Crowley Dream Team. They were here, some of them, many of them were here till 10 o'clock last night, setting all this up. Listen, when you, when you go pick up your kids tonight, tell them thank you, because um, those kids' rooms are like jam-packed back there, so if you see a child running out here and it's yours, grab him, okay? Um, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. That's not going to happen. But listen, we're so excited that you're here tonight, and really what we want to do, this past week, a lot of times, for many of us, when you see, when you're sitting in here and you see leaders on stage or you see pastors, and sometimes as a person, you just kind of visualize that, man, they must be perfect, or maybe they've had everything in their life just go well, and that's the reason they're in the position that they are today. And really, we just want to kind of debunk that myth. Um, honestly, we're all broken at one point, and God has restored us and redeemed us. And so we want to share some stories. This story that we're about to set up tonight is uh, going to be a story from Crowley. And uh, it's about a couple that honestly, if you saw Mike up here, he kind of, he's our hype guy. You've seen him all over Facebook. You've seen him all over the announcements and stuff like that. Well, um, him him and his wife really do play a vital role in our campus. His wife leads all of our OSC kids departments for... Um, Crowley, which if you know anything about that, that's a massive undertaking. And so they've been very influential in our campus, um, but many people don't know this. They really do have a story, a pretty significant story of what God has done in their life. So without any further ado, um, I just want to show you guys that story tonight. So take a look at the screens. So, why don't you guys tell me what life was like before you met Jesus? What did it look like for you? Well, our our marriage was at a point, a breaking point, really. I mean, everything was kind of crumbling. Everything was imploding. Um, We didn't really have friends that we could lean on or even married couples that we could seek advice from. Sure. So, I mean, we ended up filing for divorce. Um, Legitimately wrote the papers out and signed them. So, what was life like in the middle of, like filing for divorce was it pretty crazy i mean you guys had what one kid at the two. time two kids at the time two so kids yeah what was that like we weren't really speaking to each other hmm. a lot mostly fighting all the time and couldn't have a decent conversation without somebody screaming or anything like that so in the middle of it you were working somewhere else right? yeah i was working you were, offshore you were cutting hair mm-hmm. and you were working offshore mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit what it was like, like when you would call home. What was that like? Oh man, I'd call home to talk to the kids. I didn't call home to talk to her. Mm-hmm. So she would answer the phone and just immediately put the children on the phone. I talked to Jude and Luke, and then I'd hang up, and that was it for 21 days. And I'd come home for 21 days, and I was living with a stranger. Vice versa, she obviously felt the same way. You guys are in the middle of the divorce. Mm-hmm. All the chaos is going on. He's working offshore. All that kind of stuff. What was that moment like when you're like, okay, something in my life has got to change? I was pouring everything of myself into my job, everything. And, I mean, I would go to work, stay there as long as I could, you know, racking as many clients as I could, doing everything I could not to come home, not to, you know, have to deal with being a mom and being a wife and doing normal things around the house because I I was too busy with work. And that Mm -hmm. was my excuse. That was my 
my go-to. You know, that, that to me justified why I didn't have to try at home mm. because I was giving 150% of myself to my job. And so when I finally did come home, all the stresses of being a mom and being a wife and just not having anybody to lean on and knowing that I couldn't go to him about anything because we didn't couldn't even talk to each other. We weren't compatible at that point, you know. Mm. And my kids were young. They were babies, you know, and it's like I just felt like so overwhelmed and never was forced to deal with it until everything just kind of stopped, you know. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't go anymore. So was there a moment for you where you're like, all right, this is enough? We went on a business trip to New Orleans and we were sitting there and there was these homeless people in the street and we were sitting in the coffee shop and I just, it was so simple that just looking at them and they just didn't have to, to try, they didn't have anything, but there was this joy about them and I, I, in that moment I was jealous of them, I was envious <laughs> of having nothing. And in the middle of your life that was something you didn't feel at the oh, moment. I quit my job the next day, I yeah. was like, I'm done, I mean, just dropped everything and had to do something, so I started going to church after that, a friend of mine invited me to, um, to church and I started going and it was that service where I was just I was I got saved I was like this is it this is this is where this is this was God you know I know this is it she gets saved what was that like for you I wish he'd quit calling me to go to this church <laughs> that's what my thought process was and I told her I'm like you know I'll, I'll go just to shut her up and that that's really the only reason why I wanted to go and you know the first couple of services man I was really not interested in what they were saying but it was kind of I could feel something, you know, mm-hmm. and then, uh, dude, all of a sudden, just one day, bam, like on a Sunday morning, it hit me. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, my family's falling apart, and there's obviously something here. We were just riding around one day in the in the truck with the boys, and I was like, you know what, let's just, why don't we just call off the divorce? Then we had to learn to live with each other again. I mean, yeah. just two weeks before, we were signing papers in a lawyer's office to never see each other again, only when it came to dealing with the kids. How do you come back from that, you know? Sure. You file for divorce because you can't stand each other and you have all these problems. And now you say, okay, well, let's make it work. Well, how? That's when we started really learning how to live in community and surrounding ourselves with people that we could get advice from. And Now that you're in community, I mean, you lead kids now. Mike's over a lot of our Dream Team stuff. Like, have you seen your lives, like your walk with Jesus? You feel like it's grown since oh, you've man. gone through next step. Now, I mean, you're both in a life group or leading life groups, you feel like you, your relationship with Jesus has grown since then? Absolutely. I mean... How so? Well, I mean, I never felt like I had an intimate relationship with Jesus or even... I never woke up and felt the urge to pray or read my Bible. You know, yeah, I knew I had to do it, but now it's, it's changed for me that now I want to do it. You guys have pretty much every excuse in the world to not be involved. <laughs> Meaning, and, and it's a good reason to not be, you live about 45 minutes away as of right now. Um, you're driving to Crowley, what, maybe three times, four times, sometimes four times a week back and forth to serve, to do different things with kids. How has that changed, like, your family dynamic? It's always a, it's always a journey. The kids love it because it's always a road trip. We intentionally now have to sit together close together for 45 minutes one way yeah you know i mean we spend a lot of time we a lot of times we pray in the truck you know even with the kids i mean it, we're always so busy always on the go but you know those car rides and i'm actually gonna now that we're moving i'm probably gonna kind of miss that yeah because we get that time together it's funny because you know jude's five luke's three and when megan says okay well we got next step after service we got to go help pastor zach like they get excited because they get to go play with all the toys at, yeah. the, at the presbyterian church you know pizza they get to eat pizza and drink mountain dew and they get all <laughs> they get all jacked up and it's it's really funny but i mean they everything we do together now basically is yeah it's hard you know mm-hmm. but if you can make excuses one way or the other you can yeah. make an excuse to do it or not i mean we can just as easily make an excuse to say we're tired you know yeah. we don't feel like driving but when you start making excuses to do it, when you find reasons to do it, I find for us, that's when real change happened for us, mm-hmm. especially, you know, with everything that was going on in our life, we started making excuses for the good, you know, for the right reason. Yeah. And I mean, it's helped us tremendously. When you think about where we were, where we were before, you know, and weren't going to church and I always think about like where the kids would be mm-hmm. right now in their life if mm-hmm. we hadn't made the change, you know, where, where would they be? Where would their walk with Jesus be? Oh, yeah, I mean, changed everything for them, you know, because if we would have divorced 10 years from now, what would life look like for them, you know? Mm-hmm. 
how hard would that be between two families and eventually one day they have kids I mean I, I come from a split home from, from the time I was a baby so I know what it feels like to have two Christmases two birthday parties everything's always yeah. well this holiday's here this holiday's there like I'm so happy that my children never have to feel that way you know when you start dividing that up and to know that as much as that was hard for me growing up that my children never have to go through that man that's it's, amazing. it's a God thing you yeah. know I mean when you look at that, that, that that's been broken now yeah. My kids never have to worry about that. Well, I think the cool thing is to see that, like, a family that was on the brink of being so fractured mm. and so broken is now at the point that they are, you know, serving together, leading together, uh, going to church together. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the decision to actually jump into community. Yeah. You know, and be willing to be vulnerable. Yeah, we all have fears to be vulnerable and. Um, what are people going to think of me or all that kind of stuff but I think the thing that I'm proud of you guys for is like you chose to actually dive in you know and you had insecurities and you had fears but through walking with people you begin to overcome those things absolutely that was good right Man, don't ever lose your funny, bro. Seriously, keep that, man. I need more people like that. Awesome story. Well, my name's Pastor Jamie. I'm from our Savior's Church in Eunice. Come on. My, let, me, let me introduce some of my family real quick. My wife is right here. Come on, Cheryl, stand up. My two daughters, Anna and Virginia. And my son is in the back in the blue shirt, the good-looking boy. So that's just my family. We're excited to be here today. This this is so awesome, right? I mean, come on. Give it up for Crowley one more time. I mean, y'all just do a good job. Excellent job. Just just a, a family party, right? I mean, this is good stuff. So I've seen people introducing themselves from other campuses. i actually seen two ladies in the back say, hey, I know you. And they go to two different channels. Hey, I go to here. And, and so it was all good. And so that's kind of why we do this. I mean, we do this to bring the family together. And so uh, I just love these times. And so uh, I, I get to introduce my, our, our next video is a girl from our church and um, so proud of her. She's, uh, she came into our church. She was brought in by a guy she was dating and, and uh, she'd given her life to Jesus at a young age, but kind of slipped away. And, and you, you'll hear her story in a minute, but I'm just so very proud of her. She has a son. He's a, he's a mixed child. And she really believes he has a, he has a calling on his life to bring races together and so just super super great story super excited about that and so without further ado i just want to run that video now thank you My life before Christ, I'm the party girl. When I have a party, I'm the one that's going to throw it, you know. Uh, I was at the bar every weekend. I was like normal on cheers when I walked in the door. It was just, I was real big on getting as drunk as I could, as fast as I could. You know, shots, tequila, Patron. Uh, that was just something that made me feel uh, relaxed and not worried about what other people thought of me. The more I drank, the better more calm I felt. Some point along the way, that lasted for about four years, and then uh, I fell in love with a man and ended up having my son with him, uh, Trenton, he's six. Just because I'm not going to church regularly doesn't mean I don't love God. That was my mindset. God knows I love him. You know, I can pray at home. I can worship at home. I don't have to be in church. When I had Trenton, a lot of things inside of me started to shift because it was really on my heart to get him into a church. My first time going to OSC was two years ago on Mother's Day. Um, I went to OSC in Eunice um, because that's where my boyfriend is from and that's where he attended. And, and he'd never invited me to go to church with him. Uh, and that always kind of like made me wonder, what's the matter with me? Why he's ashamed to bring me to church? I mean, he never asked me to go to church. But he would always talk about um, God and he would always... I knew that he would go every Sunday. He'd work till like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, but he'd still get up and go to church. And then when I talked to him, I'd be like, so I call his church. And he would say, you know, what they had talked about. And then he'd go on talking about trucks or something. And and so 
something inside me was like, well, to that. Why doesn't he ask me? So finally I asked him, I was like, can me and Trina go to church with you? He's like, well, yeah, sure, anybody can go. I experienced when I first walked in, uh, they were worshiping, um, and it wasn't like anything I was used to growing up as a little girl. And so it was when I felt that love of God for myself without having somebody necessarily uh, throw God at me. It was something that I felt for myself in my apartment. I was alone, you know, um, and that's what made me fall in love with him more. I knew that, you know, I know that it's not church that is what makes God God. That's just something that helps you get through life. The people that you're around, the people that you can talk to and share things with when you're struggling and whatnot, that's what church is about. Church is your family. It wasn't awkward. It wasn't like an uncomfortable feeling. I was able to sit there and worship how I wanted to worship, and I wasn't worried about who was watching me or who was going to say anything. And I remember when they had the child dedication, um, I was like, I, I want, I want Trina to do that. I want to dedicate Trina. And so I did participate in that. Um, and then last November, they did the baptism again, and I got baptized for the first time. Like, it was a confirmation that um, even though I left God, He never left me. I feel like since I've been saved and since I've been going to OSC, that God's been dealing with me a lot on how to try to control my feelings instead of letting my feelings control me um, and instead of when somebody hurts me and my son uh, as much as I don't want to naturally uh, to turn around and pray for him and that's one of the biggest things that I can remember Pastor Jamie sharing was uh, hurt people hurt people my, my favorite part about getting involved in the church so far is um, being a member of the the children's class. I teach every third Sunday. It's just the most awesome thing to be able to see a little two or three year old, you know, praising God or remember something. We put blood on Jesus, you know, on, on the on the man's face, and Jesus healed him. And I'm like, the chocolate pudding worked. You know, it, it's a good feeling to be able to see the kids grow because they're so pure and innocent, and to know that I had something to do with that. I don't have to convince you. When you step foot in OSC, God's gonna do rest. You know, it's not anything about who goes there. It's not anything about who's preaching that day. It's God showing up and, and letting you hear his word. And he may speak something to you that was completely different to somebody else, you know, but he's there. If you show up, he's there. Awesome. I sound like the Lord. I can get my preach on in here. Ah! Um, I can't even stop. I can't stop. First off, just let me say how, how honored I am. My name is Pastor Josh, by the way, and I oversee... The Our Savior's Church Jennings Campus. They love me. They love Jesus more than me, though, which is more important. Okay. Make sure we get that clear. Uh, you know, it's, it's awesome for us to gather together. Uh, I've, much like Zach, have been here for 16 years and... Zach was in my youth ministry. Just want to let everybody know that. I'm the one who slapped his hands off of Claire all the time. And that still hasn't stopped, if you've noticed. But uh, it's a joy to be here. And of course, you know, looking back with Pastor Bubba and Miss Tracy, uh, we used to drive here, as you know, in the big green van, if you've heard our story, 16 years ago with me and Pastor Bubba driving up to... Holiday Inn with me, him, and one other person. And that was, that was the beginning. And so to, to come here and gather with three different campuses and hundreds and hundreds of people, it's, it's such a joy to do this. And actually driving here, I was driving here with my oldest son, and uh, we were reminiscing on things because he's grown up in this church. And, uh, and we talked about just kind of where we've come from and what we've done. And, and he's like, I've never been to the Crowley. I was like, well, we're in the Presbyterian church. It's not the Crowley. I was like explaining things to him. And he's like, Dad, it's so big. 
I said, yeah, but do you remember when it was so small? But he doesn't because he was so small. But I was thinking this morning, actually, I was doing my own personal devotions and in Psalms 105, and I've been reading in the, the Psalms in the message translations, and it, and it says, hallelujah, thank God, tell everyone you meet what he's done. And I thought, man, I think that's what we're going to do tonight. More than anything, this isn't about how awesome our Savior's church is. This is about how awesome Jesus is. And if there's anything you leave here, we want you to leave. Yeah. And I'm so honored to walk with Pastor Bo and Miss Tracy and for them to plant this church. And how many are you thankful for that, first off? And... And then, uh, of course, I'm honored to walk with men like Pastor Jamie and Pastor Zach and, and then all of our elders and, and dream team that make this happen. You are what makes this church what it is, and we could not do this without you. And so we just we celebrate you. We celebrate who you are and, and walking with you through life. It is our joy as pastors to pastor you. You are the best church to pastor, hands down. And so uh, I have the privilege of introducing a couple Uh, that has been in our church for a little bit of time. And uh, I don't want to give too much of their story away. You'll probably recognize them as soon as you see them. Um, JJ and Christy Petrie uh, have been faithful people in our house uh, and are just a blessing to us. But their story hasn't always been great. And uh, it's a story of God bringing hope in some of the most hopeless situations. And so if you need some hope, uh, you're facing a hopeless thing. This hopefully will encourage you today. So take a look at the screen. We've been married, uh, be 13 years this year in August. We've been together for over 15 years. And uh, before, um, it was drugs and alcohol and partying and uh, just everything not to do with Christ. I actually was saved by um, his stepmother. And she asked me a few questions. She asked me for my testimony and I couldn't give it because I didn't have one. And she asked me if I wanted to, and so she led me to Christ. I, I got saved, you know, uh, 12, 13 years old. Um, grew up in church until I got into 18, 19, into my mid-20s, and then just went crazy. 18 years old, I lost my brother. That was a crushing moment in my life where I felt like I had nobody I could go to. And we fought, you know, fifth fought before. So for the next 11 years, I blame myself for it. And that's the 11 years, you know. I can say it was 11 years that I just went down here spiraling, you know, went to jail. Just wondering, okay, why? You know, why did this happen? Why did you do this? I'd actually end up quitting school and went to work and um, just lost. I mean, that's the only word you can say. I think my my situation was a little different. because when I found out, I was already rooted when my brother killed himself. And um, we found out uh, early Sunday morning. And um, we had people that we were connected with within a life group and called them. They immediately came to the house. We thought that, you know, we were, of course, distraught, crying. We didn't know what to do. And the first thing that we ended up doing was just automatically getting dressed for church. We felt we had to be there. We needed to be there. So it was a different thing for us because we had the, the companionship. We had the, the togetherness of, the fa- of our church family. So it was, I think, an easier process mm-hmm. with my brother than his brother because he was, um, he was away from God. And at our point with my brother, we were we're with rooted, him. Yes. We were rooted with him. Two years ago, 2000. 14 uh, in February I had actually uh, got laid off all field took a plunge that was a hard hit for us um, making real good money uh, but yet I wasn't home I called Christy right away um, and told her I said hey I want to let you know I got laid off and her immediate response was hey we'll work through this we'll be okay we'll work through it 
while I'm miles away sitting there, okay, what is my next step? Not thinking about, you know, what is God going to do for us? You know, I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do to provide for my family? I had found out that I was more dependent and more, you know, on my job and the money and the more money we had, the more money, hey, we can provide for us and then help others, but yet I'd lost focus on God. I actually was uh, drinking. Got to the point where um, the drugs came back in to play and um, smoking and, you know, um, lust and porn. And my, my life was slowly fading back to where it was at. I didn't want to hear nothing. I didn't want to hear what I needed to hear. And then um, I got rooted into... Uh, life groups and that's when I started to feel more and more connection with people because I thought I could do it all on my own and I thought that no one else understood or knew what I was going through getting into these life groups or just talking to these guys at, at our church and the families and just realize man wow okay I am not alone through the tears, the frustration, and the heartache, um, we stayed. We were we were on that island, but we didn't stay there. You know, we made sure that we had other people who were constantly praying for us, constantly lifting us, lifting us up, and we didn't stop going to church. We just kept pushing forward, um, getting in the Word at night, uh, spending more time together in the Word, and. It wasn't easy because there was times we both wanted to just pretty much walk away and, and go on separate ends. Um, just because we're Christians, it's not an easy road. It's not something that is cookie cutter. We know that with, with God you know, leading our path, that no matter what, we're going to get through it. When we first started going to church uh, at OSC, we were the back row people. We were in the back corner, didn't want to be known, didn't want to be seen. We just wanted to come to church, um, get a little Jesus, and go home. And um, God had bigger plans for us with that. He just kind of kept pulling us like a shepherd's hook. I think it's helped me personally within leading a life group and um, being in kids that I've, I've been able to talk with people who um, don't understand that you know, we're all broken. You know, there's a lot of ladies I've spoken to who've had drug problems that never would have thought that I was a drug addict. You know, and so I'm able to talk to them and I'm able to tell them that there is light. There is goodness after all that dark. I also see, you know, for Christy too, that uh, being around the kids, you know, being that we don't have children, um, that it is easier on us, you know, um, seeing her smile because she is around kids so basically yes yeah, she has well, how many kids now oh about a hundred yeah so yeah serving being at church um man just seeing people that i haven't seen in years actually you know just coming to to know christ um it's amazing. I think the craziest thing for us is to realize that we're actually role models now. And yeah. that uh, never thought that we would ever be a quote-unquote role model. Especially to children because, you know, I, I, um, I've struggled with infertility pretty much all my life. And um, that was one of the reasons why I never wanted to go to kids. I never yeah. wanted to work in kids. And, uh, yeah, God had bigger plans in that. And now it's like, you can't take me away from those kids. <laughs> to see people who you've walked with and you've um, you've counseled and you've just gone through the trenches with, and to see them pursuing God with a passion like no other, I think that's my biggest um, accomplishment in life is to see that my words have helped someone else. It's a great story, isn't it?
That's great. You see, I'm not used to this because in Crowley we're real quiet. <laughs> but I actually like it. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I wanted to set it up by this. Uh, first of all, I realized when I came out here I didn't introduce myself. Um, so, my name is Pastor Zach. I lead the OSC Crowley campus, and it really is a privilege. My wife has been amazing. We've got five kids. I don't know how she does it. I've stayed home for a few hours alone with them, and I want out (laughs) as soon as possible. Um, But she does an incredible job. Um, But I want to kind of bring this to a close before my dad comes up. And there's one thing that Pastor Jacob always says, and it's stuck with me for 16 years. And he says, you never know what's on the other side of your obedience. And so it means this. You know, 16 years ago when my parents came to Jennings to start a church in the Holiday Inn, um, literally right across the hall from a bar in the middle of service, the fire alarm would go off and country music would blare and you'd hear Wayne Toops across the hallway, all that kind of stuff. Um, A lot of people see this now and what we have now, but they don't realize the hardships and I don't know a nice way to say it, just the hell that you walk through to get to certain places. And so I can honestly say this over the past 16 years, um, this is all a result of Jesus, but it's also a result of my parents' obedience to God. Um, You know, none of our campuses would be here today if it wasn't for an obedience of saying, Hey, leave Lafayette and go of all places. I want you to go to Jennings. Like God, really? (laughs) There's not another town I could go to a little bigger, maybe something with a raisin canes, you know? Um, but honestly, the first few years were, were difficult, and uh, watching, I've, I've had a seat that really nobody else has had, watching my parents go through everything that they've been through the past few years, and honestly, to see their consistency in my dad's character and just pastoring us through all this kind of stuff, it really is a privilege. So I just want you guys to give a hand to my parents today for all that they've done as my dad comes out. Give me that. Thank you. I'm not comfortable about quietness, like Zach's comfortable with it. But before I say anything, I want the most, the greatest gift that God's given me on the face of this earth is my wife to just come and say hello and greet everybody because I wouldn't be able to do what I do if it wasn't her. And sometimes it's the people behind the scenes that you don't see that are doing everything to help you to become, to help you to do what you're able to do. So Tracy, come on up. Just tell us. Greet everybody and tell them whatever you want to say. So great to see all of you. Wow, this thing's loud. <laughs> but uh, it's just a privilege to be here, and it's, on, it's an honor, really. And um, God's just done so many amazing things. You know, Pastor Bob and I would have never thought, you know, we feel like, who are we? You know, we don't have any great gifts. We're not a great singer, great speakers. But it's really not about us. It's just about God. And the great privilege has been to put you in a position to hear from God yourself and to love God the way that we do. So we're just, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for believing in us, but most of all, for believing in God. Uh, We love you. Great to be here. First of all, I'm so excited when I see the stories because, you know, if you know anything about it, it's reaching people, building lives. And it's people that Jesus has reached. And uh, I think about Mike and Megan. I don't know where Megan is. She's back there working behind the scenes. She's really working, believe me. Mike's in here just shaking his head, looking good. Oh, you got the stroller. You're making brownie points tonight. All right. But just to see, and let me tell you something. Megan is awesome. Mike, the only reason you're good is because she's awesome. And, uh, and then... You know, then, it, then when Jamie and we introduced about Jessica and, and Eunice and just to see what God has done in her life, you, you just you just don't even know. And then I look around here and I see faces and people. And I told JJ on the way here, I said, you look better in person. <laughs> and just to see the transformation that's happened with Christy and JJ. And I remember going to pray with Christy's mom before she went with the Lord, went to the be with the Lord and and uh, just uh, you know behind every story you hear up there there's stories and tonight if I really 
really, I have a word for all of us. And it's really, it's a word that lets you see what God's given you in the gifts of your campus pastors. This isn't about me, it's about you. And so tonight, I want to talk to you, if you're going to title this, I'm going to talk about Courageous Courage. And I know that there are those that who go, and then there, then there are those who are sent. You know, and I look at it, I was sent. My pastor came to me, and I don't have enough time, most of you heard the story, but him and Pastor Jim, Pastor Steve, and they sent me to Jennings. And my wife wanted to know one thing. He said, did God send you? And it was, did you get a word from God? And I go, I got a word from God. I heard of God. But so I just want to, I just believe this. You can, you know what, when you come to the Lord, you can be one moment where you're just, you're bound, and the next moment you're free. Amen? Let me just pray, and then we're, I'm going to go ahead and go to the Word of God. Father, I thank you for everyone here tonight. God, just precious people that you love. And God, we could all have a video tonight. We could talk about where we were, where we've come from. But, God, the moment we met you, our lives were never the same. And, Lord, I thank you for every person. When I look around here and I just see people from different campuses. And, God, what you've done in their marriages, what you've done in their lives, what you've done in their children. God, the impossibilities that they face. But yet, God, you came and you touched them. Lord, thank you tonight. I'm just, I look at here tonight, but I can't imagine what heaven's going to be like. And Lord, we see an area, cities, but God, you see a world. Lord, what a day that's going to be. But Lord, right now, we rejoice in what you're doing and what you're going to do from this day forward. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. If you want to turn to your Bible, if you have a smartphone, you can turn there too. I've learned that over the years. And I'm going to talk tonight in uh, um, from Second Samuel chapter twenty one, and I'm going to be twelve. I'm going to be twelve minutes. Yeah, everybody knows me. I'm going to do a stopwatch right here. Yeah, I know. Shane, shut up. I can hear you. I'm going to start my stopwatch right now because I know people go. That is a bigger miracle than I've ever seen in my life. Pastor, your cancer was a miracle, but twelve minutes. Come on, J.J., cheer for me, man of God. All right, I'm starting right now. Second Samuel chapter 21, and it just says, um, verse 15 through and 16, right? Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel, and David and his men were in a thick of battle. David became weak and exhausted, and Ishbinimadab was a descendant of the giants. I'm going to call him Billy Bob, all right? And so what happens is his bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds and his arm, and he was armed with a new sword. Underline that new sword under your, in your notes or in your, make a little thing right there on your smartphone. He had cornered David and was about to kill him. How many of you know, we know the story of David. We know that David was a giant killer, don't we? From the time you were little, if you didn't know anything about the Bible, you knew about David and Goliath. Okay, and we know that when when Goliath was out there just taunting, you know, the uh, and uh, the Israelites for forty days in the valley, said, "Come on, man! If you got it, come and get me." And Saul had a prize; it was his daughter, and to be in his house, a prince. I mean, if you're fifteen, come on. And a man promised you a beautiful. Wife. The Bible says she was beautiful in face and form. She was a Bible babe. He didn't, he didn't go out, he went in the power of God and the power of hormones. That's all I got to say. And we know that he picked up five rocks and he used one rock, and I'm going to come back to the rocks in a minute, and he threw that rock and hit the Goliath, and he fell, he cut his head off, and he became a giant killer. Say it with me, giant killer. And so what happens is, what happens, this story is when David's much older. And when, when no one would step up, David would always step up to face giants. Just like he did against Goliath. No one would face Ishbinibanab, Billy Bob. No one would face him. But the power of God came upon David just like it needed before. And I believe what happened is he became, what happens is Ishbinibab right there at that very moment. And David, as he's there, what happens is 
we're going to see it in the story. It's like something, something terrible happens to David. But ish Billy Bob means this. Billy Bob means this. This is what it means. It means to sit down and be fruitful. How many of you know you can't sit down and expect the fruits and the power of God to work in your life? But see, what happens is the power of God comes upon David just like he, when he needed it to fight. I mean, sometimes we need the power of God to fight financial needs, don't we? Sometimes we need wisdom to fight immorality. Or we need our marriage fixed up. Come on, we got marriage issues, kids issues. That'll mess you up. Not only that, you, you know, you have, you have a giant. But I'll just say this. In every campus, you have a giant killer. I'll tell you who they are. One of them's name is Jamie Tyler. Another one is Josh Belt. Another one is Zach McCann. You know, what, what do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Because, see, let me tell you something. You know what? what every one of us needs, and it's like, well, you can't come to a campus and we tell you to shut up and sit down and expect fruit, right? Why do we talk about next step? Life groups. Why do we talk about going out and reaching people and building lives? Because we know this. You can't sit on your blessed insurance and expect God to do something. Amen? So let me go with the story because I'm only, I'm at three minutes and 51 seconds. <laughs> David, what happened? He's faced Ishbinibab with a new sword. It wasn't the same kind of giant. that. He, in fact, Ishbinibab, many theologians said he was probably Goliath's son. Can you imagine all your life growing up and someone going, you know, that David, he took your daddy out. I mean, he cut his head off. Come on. How would you feel? I'm going to kill that man that killed my daddy. And so what happens is, it means to sit. And what happens, but it was a new sword. And what happened is, when David goes to face him, Ishbinibab does this. He wounds David mortally. In other words, he hurts him bad. And as he falls down, we, you know what? We're, we, we are, for, let me just say this. We're for you, and we want you not to sit down. We want you to be fruitful. Is that okay to say? Because I tell you what, I can give you some addresses of churches that just want you to sit down and shut up and don't do anything. And then they expect, that preacher better come up with a hot message and a hot meal because I'm hungry today. Well, listen, we may give you a hot meal and a hot message, but we don't expect you to sit on your blessed assurance. We expect you to get up and go be fruitful and see what God can do in your life. Because I've learned this. When you go out and you just get up and make a step towards anything, God makes a step to help you. And whatever, listen, whatever is your business, if you take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. Amen. I mean, just, I'm about to trip on this. But anyway. You know what? I you know, it's like, well, you know, I don't need to get involved. I don't need to serve. You can't, but listen, you can't sit down and expect to be fruitful. See, the only thing that can kill the vision of a spirit of what God is trying to do in this house. When I say this, I'm talking about our campuses because we're one church, three locations. And what happens is I get the privilege of meeting all of y'all. Okay, the other guys, they're going, well, what? And I mean, I come, but here's the problem with me now. God has just been growing just so much. I met you again. But I didn't remember your name tonight, some of you. And you had to remember, Pastor, you've met me. I go, I have? Can y'all just give me a little grace? Okay. I don't forget faces. I forget names. So the only thing, you know what? The only thing that can kill a spirit of what God wants to do is a sit down and do nothing spirit. See, you you have to understand, nothing should be more important than this one thing. Listen to me. It's seeking the kingdom of God. You know, I I don't have one, and I I thought they might have some tonight. But if I had a pizza box tonight, a pizza box is very cheap. But it's, it's, it's like us. But what you put in it brings the value, right? And some of us, let me tell you, some of you are weighty, not because you're big. Some of you are weighty in the spirit because you've been seeking the kingdom of God. 
And God is wanting to use you even more. See, I believe this. When you come to a campus and you hear, you see Pastor Josh, you see Zach, you see Jamie, and they're fighting giants. You go, man, I just wish I could be as spiritual as them. I wish I could do what they do. I wish, you know what I mean? Let me just say this. I used to read a, a, a little book to my kids. I wish, I wish book. You remember that book? I wish I could be with Jesus when he walked the shores of Galilee. I wish I could be with him when he fed the thousands. I wish, I wish. Listen, it's not about wishing. It's about just going, God. I'm going to take a step. Because see, the first step is, we, is trusting God. How many of you know people wound you? Let me ask them. Has anybody ever been offended in this room? Good. I may offend you again tonight. <laughs> see, I believe this. When you feel a sense a call of family, I, I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. When I feel like you sent, you have a sense of family, you don't want to sit in the back row anymore. You want to come to the front row and go, hey, man, Pastor Zach, Pastor Jamie, Pastor Josh, I'm reporting for duty. What needs to be done? What people? One of the things that's blessing me, I, I see Denny, and, and, you know, I remember the conversation Denny had in his truck years ago. But that doesn't matter for him to be the man God called him to be. And now he's going out and helping. He went around. I helped. I mean, we just started men's groups, and then Denny's helped Josh, and then Denny's starting his own, and he's getting up other men to do that, and all of a sudden we're multiplying. That's the way it should work. Am I making sense here? Okay. I know I'm not being as funny as I normally am, but I'm just serious. Because, see, the thing is, I believe this. We, every one of us, need a Rachel spirit in us. What is a Rachel spirit? Give me a child or I'll die. Lord, give me someone that can come that I can just introduce him to you no matter what. I was telling the story to my son, son Nathan, that night. We were laughing about it. And I said, I remember one time I, I, I shared with a guy. He said, I met you on the strip when you first met Jesus. And it was 14 years later. And he said, man, if you would have known more how to bring someone to salvation, I would have got saved that night. But for two years, I was in Baton Rouge, and I remember one night, I was looking at my ceiling fan. He told me this story, and the ceiling fan, and I just moved, just in time, and the ceiling fan fell and would have hit me on the head and killed me. And I remember what you told me. If I didn't know Jesus, I was going to hell. That's, that's the best I could do. I was only saved three days. What, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Three days saved. Turn or burn, you know what I mean? That, and I remember, man, he said, man, for five minutes, I've been, he goes, I've been looking for you for 14 years to tell you for two years I was miserable and you scared the living H-E-double the hell out of me. But I wanted to let you know, because of what you did, I'm serving Jesus now. See, I believe this. You can't sit down. We've got to rise up. There's one thing. Let me just say, there's one thing when someone loves God and they're bold for God, there's something contagious about. Are you hearing me? That's why I love five. Come on, come on, five. Come up here with me. Come on, come on, man of God. Come on. I love five. You know why? Because when I'm around him, I'm just cool. Not really, but you at. Let me just tell you something. I love this man. I mean, has there been a lot of time invested in you? Oh. Okay, Pastor Josh, yeah. myself, Danny. Danny, other men. Not just one person. Oh, no, several. Okay, you know what he's doing? He's working with our youth. My kids can't wait to go be with five. And five, you know what he did? He's ministered to my son, Nathan. Just because, you know why? It's contagious. Whatever gets poured into him, he's going, I gotta, I'm leaking, man. I got to go find some container to pull myself into. Amen? All right. Give him a five. Yeah, all right, young. I'm hurrying. I'm not going to make it. Well, y'all give me five minutes. Who give me five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20. No, they know that. Anyway. All right, I'm going to go. There's something about a contagious spirit because let me tell you something. I'm going to preach now, okay? Somebody, you know what? It, it, it's this. 
You know what? You fight giants. You know what are giants in our time? Abortion, drugs, sexual immorality, generational curses. But we learn to fight those things in the spirit. And it's not just going holding a sign and being crazy and stuff like that. It's finding that girl that's hurting. Are you hearing me? It's finding that person that's struggling. How do, I, how do I do this? When you get involved with God's thing, God gets involved in your thing. Because let me tell you, we're facing a sword we've never faced in our life. It's a new sword. It's a new generation. And what do you mean, Pastor? Here it is. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read it. You can go read it tonight. Verse 17 through 21. I'm going to read this. But Abishai. Abishai. Came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. In other words... When David was on the ground, Abishai said, no way, you stay right there. That was his nephew. That was, Abishai means gift from, gift from the Father, gift from God. Can I tell you something? One of the greatest things that ever happened to me in my life, I'm going to tell you this right now. When I had had surgery and I had my cancer and stuff, you know who told me to sit down? Pastors Josh, Zach, and Jamie. Because I'm the kind of go, I'm going to preach. And my pastor, you remember that, Danny? My pastor said, no. And my doctor said, seven weeks. I'm like, the heck with that. I ain't doing seven weeks. I'm, getting, I'm preaching. My blood can be flowing out. I'm preaching. But can I tell you something? You know what I saw? My son's in the Lord. That's my son. Josh is my spiritual son. Jamie's my spiritual son. You know what I saw? God just starting to bring increase through their hands. Because see, let me tell you, they saw me face giants and it was their turn. Because see, Abishai, you know what he did? He took out the giant. And you know when he took out the giant? You see, but Bible says this in Ephesians, you learned it this week. But God is so rich in his mercy and he loved us so much. God was so merciful to David. He had Abishai. You see, God's mercies are new every morning. Aren't you glad about that? How many of you blew it yesterday? How many of you glad that God got new mercy for you today? And some of you go, well, you don't know what happened to me today. Well, God's got new mercy for you tomorrow. You see, something came over Abishai. He said, I can fight this thing. I'm going to fight for my path. I'm going to fight for my shepherd. And some of you, let me tell you something. Let me, the greatest thing you can do as Christians, as Christians, is fight for your pastor. Can I just say that? Just fight for your power. What does that mean? I mean, it's something over again. You know, Abishai took David's arm. If you, let me just say this. You're close. Come here, Jamie. Come here. I'm just, I'm going to do it. He's too skinny. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Come here. He lost 30 pounds. Y'all give it up. Let me ask something. When's the last time you just went up to one of those guys and go, Pastor, love you. Love you. I appreciate you. That's a big man to get around. Cheryl, how big along are your arms? Lord, honey. Long legs, long arms. But listen, when's the last time you just said, Pastor Josh, I love you. What do you need? Thank you, Jamie. I'm moving to the front row. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to do what God's telling me I need to be doing. When's the last time you did that? But when they say, you know what? You're not going to fight giants anymore by yourself. I'm here to help you fight giants. Because you know what I think about Abishai being around the campfire that night? I got me a giant tonight, baby. (laughs) David ain't the only man getting giants. I can see five talking smack, you know what I mean? I mean, man, I mean, you know, I got a giant. Are you hearing me? I got a giant. But you know what everybody around the campfire is doing? I know him. And he killed the giant? Come on now. If God can use him to be a giant killer, sure enough, God can use me. Are you hearing me? And see, what happens is, are y'all with me? I mean, then, then if, David can, if David can do it, I can do it. 
And all of a sudden, something contagious came on everybody around the campfire. In fact, there was another giant that had six toes, six fingers. And, and how, can you imagine playing piggy with him? <laughs> what did the last piggy? I don't know. But anyway. If you're a giant killer, contagious courage. It's not just fighting for here, but it's fighting for the future. You know what? You know what your kids are looking for? You know what you're, you could be old. You know, it doesn't matter what your age. It doesn't matter the stage of your life. People around you, it might not be your field, but people around you are looking to see what you're fighting. We're fighting for the future. You know, when I, I'm sorry, but sometimes you just have some grandkids and kids that you kind of favor a little bit. Zach still thinks I favor him the most, but anyway. <laughs> Ask Luke. In a, it's just a stage. But you know what? I went in there and I looked at little e, my, my, my little, my Peter. Okay? He's a Crowley campus mascot, right? Because when he first started there, he was in a little Tim Tim. But I went in there. I'd go in there, Peter, and I'd go, I'd go Pete, Pete. And he, I'm just in the room. And I'd go, Pete, Pete. And he goes, Papa. <laughs> Why? He knows my voice. So you know what he's looking for? Not just his daddy to be a giant killer. He wants to know his papa was a giant killer for Jesus. Because I want to see. You know what I want to live to see? I want to live to see all my grandchildren. I want to see you. And I want to see your kids. When I think of Allie and I think of her, her precious daughter, Hammer and Mikey's precious daughters. And I look around the room and I can just point people out. But I'd be over time. <laughs> Shut up, Tracy. <laughs> I gave you your time. Anyway, I'm taking it back. Anyway. Let me just wrap it up. Can I just do that? You can't sit down and be fruitful. You have to fight. How I many you know every day you got to fight to get in the word of God? How many day, every day you got to fight to pray? How many, how many of you know that sometimes you fight with people that you love because you want more from them and better for them? Amen? David had a fight. He had to fight the lion and he had to fight the bear before he could fight the giant. For you and I, you have to learn to fight the bear. That could be the bear of despair. It could be the bear of rejection. It could be the bear, whatever. It could be the lion of lust. He had to face the bear and the lion. But what happens before, let me just say, before any of us have a public victory, we've got to learn to have private victories. And that's what David did. He went after, there wasn't no one there watching him kill the lion, but God. And he depended on God. And that's what, if you can, do, if, you know what, if they can do it, and you've watched others, it's your time. It's your time. It's our time to step up to be all God wants us to be. See, the higher you go up the mountain, the stronger the wind. I wish I had a picture, but we went, just a couple weeks ago, we were, we were in the northeast, and we climbed. We didn't climb. We rode up in a bus. But thank God, we climbed. My wife, she, we, she saw the road. She goes, I ain't going. And I said, well, he already paid. You're going. And we got up there, and Mount Washington is the highest point in the northeast, uh, northeastern uh, United States. It's 62,088 feet up in the air. But it's got the world, you can look it up, Google it, whatever you want. It's got world's strongest recorded winds anywhere in the world, 231 miles an hour. We went up there, and the wind was 73 miles an hour, and it was 22 degrees, 18, what was it? Tell me the truth. Okay, between 18 and 22, no exaggeration. And man, we're literally, we're going on the white, I mean, and it, it just had a snow flurry. Okay? And, and my wife, I have a picture of her. I wanted Zach to post it. She's glad I didn't. But the wind is blowing. I mean, all oh, little bitty Tracy. You know, I mean, and, it's, and she's kind of like holding on. I mean, it was about to blow us away. But I've learned this. You know, the higher you go up the mountain, the stronger the wind. But in the end, the stronger the person. 
You know why God allows things to happen to good people sometimes? He never promised, listen, he never promised he wouldn't hurt you, but he did promise he would deliver you. That might not fly in some churches in America. But I'll just say this. Sometimes he takes things out of us that just don't need to be there. I believe this. God's given us a big dream. The 16, you know, before the 16 years, God gave me a dream about 10 cities and 10 places and 10 campuses. And Mike always, hey, B, we're paying for them 10 campuses. Baby, when you going to start a new campus? Well, we got to get these getting going. But let me just say the big dreams, you're the generation. Look at me. You're the generation God's going to use. Because in America, I don't know who you're voting for. I'm not going to tell you. I'd like to tell you. But if you want to know, you can see me after service. <laughs> and I may be longer than 12 minutes. But we're facing decisions. How many of you have seen things happen quicker than you've ever seen in your life? It's a new sword. The enemy's desperate. He wants to take out a country that's feared God, that's honored Him, defended the world, defended, defended the innocent. I believe this. You're the generations God's going to use. So listen. My greatest desire for every one of us is to believe God for greater than we've ever seen in our lives. Let me ask you something. When you came to know the Lord, isn't he better than you thought he would be? Huh? And how many of you know nothing you have didn't come without a struggle? How many of you are here because you fought to get here tonight? I mean, you're like, you don't know what happened to me, this thing, I mean... My aunt, it's like psychotic, called me, and I just thought, you know, me and my wife, we were fighting on the way. I told her I ain't going. She can go. Literally, I had a couple, a girl in Eunice this week came up to me. She said, Pastor, me and my husband were fighting before we came to church. We didn't fight. In fact, we didn't fight for two weeks. In fact, I don't like him right now. And she broke. She said, but God just touched me. Let me say something. I heard, I mean, every campus I heard there was just a real conviction of the Spirit of God this past weekend. I mean, I didn't, we didn't even ask people to come to the altar in units. People just came. I heard Josh open up the altar. People came. The exact same thing. God just moved in people's lives this week. God's pouring out His Spirit, people. This is a generation He wants to use. We may, we may face a new sword, a new generation. But let me tell you something. Find someone that's fighting, fighting a giant and get with them. And pray. Can I just say this? How many of you commit to pray for your pastors? Three people. We're in their trouble, guys. <laughs> How many of you commit say, I'm going to pray for my pastor every day? You know, it's, it's, it's nothing but a miracle what Josh and Lindsay have walked through with y'all. Are you hearing me? For Jamie and Cheryl, all the things that Jamie with his back and things like that. And Zach and Claire, they have children, so they, they're all over the map. But I'm done, because I know you need to get home. But I thank you for being here tonight. But the word is tonight, you need to be praying. And you can't just sit down and expect everybody else to do. Well, someone else is going to show up. No, they're not. Can I be honest with you? I've wanted to quit so many times. I mean, with the, I remember one time in the Holiday Inn, we used to do Thursday night services. I showed up and no one showed up. Nobody. I was so depressed. I mean, usually I'd drive home. I stayed that night in the hotel room. Because we, we paid for rooms and stuff. 
I slept in there, and we had because we had a six o'clock men's meeting. We had men show up. Praise God, some men showed up. But there was a guy there that really just spoke to me. He wasn't even in our church. He just gave me a word and encouragement, and he gave me a Pentecostal handshake, which was really nice. If you know that he had some money in, he go, "Here you go, man of God." God always has people like an Abishai, a gift from the Father that he brings in our lives. Amen? Amen? The greatest gift that we have are the people God puts in our lives. The pastors you have. Let me just tell you. You know all three of them. They love God. they men of character. They love their wives. They love you. We get together every Tuesday and talk about what we're going to do for the rest of the year, what how service went, who we could minister to, or who we missed out, who we, who wasn't there, man, or what we we do that every Tuesday. Compliments of Java Jokes. We're the most caffeinated crew in all the state of Louisiana. Power of God and caffeine. Hey, I'm done.